The scripture reading today is from Ruth chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Some of the oldest wooden structures on earth have lasted as long as 1,300 years and were built with intentionally burned wood. This burning process transforms the outer surface and forms a protective layer that is highly resistant to decay or destruction by the elements. Sometimes life can be intense. We can find ourselves burned by bad choices or by difficult circumstances. Scripture is filled with examples of women and men who encountered difficulty, experienced transformation, and were able to overcome. When the heat of life intensifies, God wants to work in your life and make you resilient. Well, we're all familiar with setbacks and struggles. They just happen in life. By the way, it's just great to be together this morning. Wow, we could, we could go home right now and, and you'd feel blessed, right? I didn't, thank you for not amening that statement. I was expecting a rousing amen and an invitation song. No. <laughs> it is a joy to be together. And I have to tell you, you don't know this yet, but John's going to tell you in the announcement that another one of the McCurtain children was baptized at camp last week, so... That's, that's a pretty good, pretty good week. What a joy to be together. It's go, so good to be here. It's such a happy time, but not every day is a happy day, and not every story seems to have a happy ending. There are times when we do have our setbacks and we have our struggles. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if this is true for you. Have you ever run out of fuel in your vehicle? Yeah, my hand's up with yours. Wow, one more time, one more time, loud and proud. There are a lot of hands not up. Wow, wow. But for the rest of us, I'd be real curious why you ran out of fuel. Now, it's, it can be a, a variety of things. Most of the times that I ran out of gas, when I ran out of fuel in my vehicle, was I think I can make it. I can get there. I, I really think. We had a Ford church van many, many years ago that when it said E, it meant E. And it let me down many a times. The other is, right over the horizon is another gas station that has, that's not a two-seater bathroom. You know, I mean, it's got cleaner bathrooms, more pumps for fuel. It's just right over that horizon. Do you realize there are no horizons in West Oklahoma, Western Oklahoma? <laughs> it's just, there's nothing out there. So you can't get past that horizon. So sometimes it's because we are, we are impatient, we want to get there, we think we can make it, or we just think something's better is waiting. But sometimes we run out of fuel because our, something's broken in our vehicle. That might have been the case for you. You know, when you buy a vehicle for your children, it's an important purchase, not only because it costs a lot of money, but it's to keep your child safe. And I can remember purchasing the first car for my eldest daughter. And it was, it was a, a big thing, a big deal. I didn't have a lot of money at the time, wanted to get a good, safe car for her. And it's a pretty long story, just how we found the vehicle. You realize when you're buying used vehicles that a lot of times the seller doesn't tell you about every little thing that's wrong. We drove all the way to Texas to pick up that vehicle and then found out there might have been one thing we didn't know about. The gauge, the fuel gauge, did not work. 
How hard is that to fix a fuel gauge? No piece of cake. I don't know about all cars, but on that model of car, it costs a whole lot of money. I'm, I'm talking about a whole lot of money. So I came up with this plan with, with Sarah about how we were not going to run out of fuel in that vehicle without having to spend the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix the fuel gauge. We just set the tripometer. So when you fill up, you get this many miles a gallon, you can go this far, so at this point you refuel. And Dad might have even cheated and, and fudged that number back even further so she wouldn't run out of fuel. By the way, how do you think that worked? It worked great with my daughter who kept paid attention, but she did run out of fuel twice. Once at the uh, 15th Street and Broadway, you know where you cross the railroad tracks? One time in our neighborhood, you're going to run out of fuel, run out of fuel in your neighborhood. That's a, that's a good place to do it. But I'm telling you, I didn't want my young daughter running out of fuel and being stranded on the side of the road. Now, it really wasn't her fault. You know how sometimes when you fuel up your vehicle, you wait for it to cut off? And sometimes it cuts off before it's full? Make sense? That car happened to be one that did that all the time. So she was thinking she was, had a full tank, and she didn't. That's how she ran out of fuel. By the way, Dad didn't like that. So I finally broke down and spent the, by the way, did I tell you it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix that fuel gauge and was happy with the purchase because I didn't want my daughter stranded. She hadn't run out of fuel since. Sometimes we run out of fuel because we're impatient. We think something better is waiting for us. We can make it. Sometimes we run out of fuel because something breaks. It's not even our fault. Something went wrong that was beyond our control. But the bottom line is, sometimes we are empty, and we don't seem to have the power to move forward. That's true of vehicles, and it's true in life at times. And maybe it's been true in your life. When life seems empty. The story of Ruth is a time like that for Naomi. In the story, over and over, you see Naomi feel empty in life. And there's a lot of times that we see it. First of all, she had an empty stomach. I mean, in the land, in Ruth chapter 1, at the very beginning, there's a famine in the land. Look at Ruth 1.1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. That's Naomi and her husband and her two boys. I mean, they couldn't feed themselves. Famine had struck the land, and so these, this Jewish family left Judah, left Bethlehem, and they went to live with the Moabites. That had to be tough. So they went to this foreign land. And while they're there, Naomi becomes a widow. Verse 3, Now Limelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons in a foreign land with two boys and no husband. In that time, to lose your husband was was very, very tragic in more ways than just the sorrow of, of losing one you loved. Your husband is the one who cared for you. He's the one that, for a woman in that day, made it possible for her to live and to move forward in life. He was her guardian redeemer. But she at least had her two boys. And yet the emptiness continues at the death of her sons. Verses 4 and 5. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years... Both Malin and Killian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And I might also add 
no children. There was no male heir, no guardian redeemer in her family. And so here she is in a foreign land with two daughters-in-law that she loves, but no sons, no husband. She felt empty. She left Judah, left her home, probably filled with hope that they would find a better place and a better land where they could find food. And when she came back home, she came back home emptier than when she left. Listen to how the ladies there described her when she returned home empty. Verse 19 of chapter 1. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? In other words, you see what's happening. They recognize her. Oh, you look different, but you got to be Naomi. And her response was, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. When she left, famine had been in the land. When she returned... That famine was in her heart. She had empty arms and an empty heart. I have to say, though, I find it very encouraging to know that God cares for us even when we're bitter towards Him. Naomi definitely felt that emptiness, and I imagine you felt something similar as well. Because life is filled with uncertainty and challenges that oftentimes seem unending. Naomi comes back with Ruth... And she has no guardian redeemer. And in Ruth chapter 2, there's this new hope that seems to blossom because of Boaz. As he appears on the scene as a possible husband for Ruth and the guardian redeemer that would sustain their family. But but Boaz doesn't make a move. He doesn't propose to her. And so there's uncertainty at the end of chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, Naomi and Ruth kind of risk it all to to see if they can get Boaz to propose to, to Ruth. And yet Boaz is such an honest man, he says, well, I'm not the first guardian redeemer. And so he gives the other man the opportunity. And at the end of chapter 3, once again, there's this drain. Will, will things work out? Will, all, will, will Boaz be that guardian re- re- redeemer? You see, life's path is just filled with a lot of switchbacks, changes, where we can't always see what's in the future. It's a winding road. It was true for Naomi. It was true for Joseph, we're fixing to study. It was true for Esther. It was true for Job that we talked about last week. It was true. Okay, where do you want me to stop? And if it was for true for all those Bible characters, why would it not be true for us? These stories help us to realize that deep down, God is with us and for us in the ups and in the downs of life. We don't serve a God that shows up after the fact just to clean up the mess. We serve a God who walks the journey with us, and he is plotting and planning the course that will help us along the journey. He is looking for how he can help us go farther as we face these changes and these times of emptiness in our life. So when you think of of when your life seems empty, here's just two or three, three or four ideas that I've gathered from this text and study this week and from my personal life that I think help us on that journey. The first one is when life seems empty, go home. 
go home. In the story in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Sometimes we find ourselves in a foreign land, away from where, away from God, maybe. Go home. Come home. Brother and sister, if, if you're empty now because you've wandered away, come home. Go home. And for those of us who are here, that we're, we're present in the moment, yet we still feel this emptiness, one of my life principles that I, I just, I've learned to follow as I walk through life is when in doubt, find God and put yourself beside him. You know, a lot of the choices we have is not good or evil. You know, it's not, am I going to read my Bible today or go murder my my boss you know that's not the choice it's it's two good things and maybe God's even working with with all of them just go get yourself besides God stay with God and it'll work out pursue God as you try and plan and prepare and make choices pursue God in other words see where God is working and join him Naomi heard that the Lord was working back home let's go join God there so when life seems empty just remember the thought and go home. Find the Lord. Find God and put yourself beside him. See what God's doing and join in that effort. And when life seems empty, another little piece of advice is think of others. Think of others. Naomi obviously was thinking about herself. She was very mindful of her situation. But look at Ruth, 8, beginning in ver- Ruth 1, beginning in verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons or, could you be, or who could become your husbands? And there's a lot of, of history and funds to study what takes place with the guardian redeemer and the situations of that day and age. But the bottom line is Naomi's thinking about those two girls, these two daughters-in-laws that she, she loves. She is hurt. She is feeling alone and lonely, but she doesn't think only of herself. And in our times of emptiness, let's just not look just in the mirror, but look around and think of others. And when life feels empty, seems empty, focus on what's left. Focus on what's left. Don't just focus on what you've lost, but focus on what you've been given. See how God is working and blessing. Naomi had lost her husband and her sons, but God had given her something. God gave her Ruth. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at Ruth 1 beginning in verse 14. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you separates you and me when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her she stopped urging her Naomi had a real blessing she had Ruth 
Focus on what's left. Naomi had also lost her guardian redeemer and her husband and, and her sons and the fact that she didn't have grandsons. But God did give her Boaz. Ruth 2, verses 19 and 20. In Ruth 2, uh, Ruth has gone out and gleaned in the field to find something to eat. She comes home with more grain than is expected, so Naomi knows somebody has looked out for her. And she said, where did you glean today? Who has had mercy on you? And, and Ruth answers, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. God brought hope into their lives in the life of Boaz, who was in a position to help these two ladies out. Don't just focus on what's lost. Focus on what's left. I mean, Naomi lost her sons, no grandchildren. And then Baron Ruth marries Boaz. And God gave a child. Ruth 4.13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he had made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. In the previous, previous verses where... Um, Boaz has said there's another guardian redeemer. He brings him into the picture. They go to the gates where all the authorities are. The people are gathered. And uh, he offers this other gentleman to be the guardian redeemer. And the man says yes. And then he finds out about Ruth. He says no. And Boaz becomes the guardian redeemer. And when this deal is made and this marriage is, is set, the, the people at the gate, the people that were watching, uh, notice what has taken place. And they pray. They pray that Ruth can have a child. That she would bear children like Rachel and Leah. Remember them? Rachel not able to have children, but God opens the womb. And that answers. Baron Ruth marries Boaz, and God gives them a child. Life truly is filled with losses that drain us and empty, our, empty us. There are detours and difficulties. But just read the story of Ruth. Read the story of your life. God sees us through those times. And when life seems empty and God sees us through, what should we do? Give praise to God. When the people saw how God had worked in the life of Naomi, and when people see how God has worked in our lives, may they give him the praise. Ruth 4, verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. I mean, they saw God working. Naomi, no guardian redeemer, in a sense, Boaz is that. And you could argue, now, Obed, the baby, is a part of that guardian redeemer. That's what they thought. But the bottom line is God is working, and when God works, may the people around us see God at work and give him the praise. Because we serve a God who takes an empty life and can take that empty life and lead it into abundant living. Empty to full. Naomi had no idea when she had went on that journey to Moab that God would make her an ancestor to the Messiah. 
And when you and I, when believers, when disciples of Jesus follow him, God can connect what seem to be ordinary events in a powerful way for his glory. Every faithful step you and I take is moving us towards God and his blessing and his plan. You see, the happy ending of Naomi's story is more than just a, as one person said, a cute baby and a happy grandmother. <laughs> Although there were two, those were true, I'm sure. It was much more than that. Ruth 4, verses 16 and 17. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. That little baby pointed towards David. And who did David point towards? Jesus. And who did Jesus point us towards? God the Father and life everlasting. So may our, point, our lives point to Jesus. Whenever we're empty or whenever life seems empty, may our lives point to Jesus. The power and grace of God are never more obvious than when life has seemed empty. One of Jesus' followers here on this earth, Philip, asked Jesus, show us the Father, show us God. And Jesus' response in John 14 was, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus points us to God. Jesus points us to abundant living as well. Because there's a lot of things in this life that drain us. Jesus put it this way in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In other words, leave us empty. Leave us in shatters. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When life is broken, yes, we can oftentimes come up with a patch or a workaround. Just check the mileage. Know that when you feel this, you, we can work around this. We don't have to fix it. We can do a workaround. Or we can pay the price and get it fixed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we did. We stopped the workarounds and we paid the price because we had one who had paid the price. We gave our lives to him. We gave it all. That's what we did in the waters of baptism. We paid that price. And now we can have life to the full. Oh, life can seem empty, but it's not. And for us as followers of Jesus, people who have been washed clean, the best is yet to come. It is. When life seems empty, what do we do? We just, let, we just walk forward in obedient faith. The best is yet to come. That's true for young people who are strong and filled with hope for the future. The best is yet to come. And that's true for us old folks, too, whose bodies are worn out and wasting away. I'm here to tell you the best is yet to come. God works in the darkest days and the empty days to get us home. The best is yet to come. Yes, there is weeping. The psalmist had it right in Psalm 30, verse 5. 
Weeping may endure for a night. And maybe you're in the nighttime right now. But what? Joy comes in the morning. The best is yet to come. The last chapter of your life is not written. So who are you going to let be the author of that chapter? May it be God. May God be the author of the last chapter of our life. Brother and sister in Christ, the best is yet to come. And to our friends who are watching today online or here present with us, I have a simple question. Have you found your guardian redeemer? Jesus told us this in John 8, 34. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin captures us. And on our own, we can't fix it. We think we can come up with workarounds, but you cannot pay the price for sin in our lives. And Jesus has become our guardian redeemer, if we'll let him. You know what redeemer means? Redeem means? Redeem just simply means to, to set free by paying a price. So we're slaves to sins, and Jesus paid the price to set us free. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid the price I could not pay to redeem me. Galatians 3.13 says it very clearly. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for my sins, which was death. He took my sins to that cross so I could be redeemed. I could be set free from sin. Titus 2.14, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. In the waters of baptism, those sins were washed away and I came out a new person, pure. And the blood of Christ continues to cleanse me. So on that day, I can enter in heaven without sin in my life because if I entered with sin, heaven just becomes another earth, a sinful place. But Jesus purified us so that we could live with him he redeemed us. And so praise be to God. Luke 168. Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Naomi needed a guardian redeemer. Yes, it was Boaz. Yes, it was Obed. But the guardian redeemer was Jesus. And that's who we look for. Jesus the Christ. Have you given your life to him? Have you paid the price? It cost all. But he will redeem us. He will pay the price we cannot pay. And just like those three young souls earlier today, you can give your life to him. Make that good confession. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Make that confession not just in front of us, but every day of your life, that Jesus is Lord. Have your sins washed away and walk that new life. If you study and know that's what you need to do, <laughs> we started this service in the best way possible. Let's end it that way. For those of you who are watching online, we want to make it easy for you to let us know what's going on in your life. And so you'll notice that on our website, there's a prayer page. I hope that you'll go there. And if you're with us today and you want to let us know what's going on in your life, that's a wonderful way. Let us be praying for you. We also have some shepherds that can go back into our parlor. If you could just go out any of these doors and make your way around down the hallway right here, they'd love to meet with you and visit with you and help you in any way. Pray for you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when life seems empty, let's just be faithful and follow. But if you wanted a way, maybe today is the day to come home.
Friend, if you never put Christ on a baptism, he has paid the price. Won't you let him be your guardian redeemer? If you need to respond in a public way, we invite you to do so right now as we stand together and sing. Have thine own way, Lord.